Hello, Kim. Hello, hello. Hey, good to meet you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, yeah. So, this is the first time uh, we're doing something like this. This is the inaugural After Pattern podcast clubhouse. Uh, so, thank you for suggesting it. Absolutely. I mean, I've been listening to the app for about a month now, and I just hear so many engaging conversations going on, and people are learning and getting access to so much more than they would in a podcast just because it's it's more personal, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I, I didn't realize what this platform was until I was browsing some rooms, and I saw the the diversity of rooms there was like someone talking about relationship advice and then i jumped to another place and it's a guy making some lo-fi hip-hop beats and i was like oh it's it's radio it's do-it-yourself radio it's kind of do-it-yourself everything yeah yeah so let me let me, let me give you a brief uh, introduction um uh for anyone who doesn't know who you are uh you graduated law school in 2018 um, with, I, I, I heard this on another podcast you did, you graduated with like 1,300 hours of pro bono experience. Yes, I did. Which sounds, which sounds crazy. <laughs> While raising a child. While raising a child? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you have a lot to say about how that's possible. Um, I heard also in that podcast you did that you knew from a young age that you wanted to be a lawyer. Yep. And then in 2019... Uh, you started a business called uh, Innovation Litigation. You're providing contract-based work to immigration lawyers. And then in October 2020, you founded Onward Immigration, which is where you are now. That's right. I, was, I started off by doing contract work for other attorneys. It was really great to have some flexibility and still get some really great experience. So I got to sit down and do a lot of the in-depth legal work that most lawyers don't have time for. So I was writing you know, massive briefs, doing appeals, and I was I was having a lot of success with it. And ultimately, what it came down to is I wanted to be able to have more control over what went on in the cases. So even before COVID, I wanted to do a virtual firm. And it was hard to find a ton of resources because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all that popular. So I was kind of piecing stuff together. And then COVID hit, and I was like, wow, this is going to be the norm now. So I spent some time putting a plan together and slowly building it up. And then October, I finally launched. Nice. Yeah. And then you and I first interacted in like, I think it was early February of this year. I had reached out to you. You were an After Pattern user. And I'd reached out to you. You know, at the end of every month, I look back at the engagement metrics of our platform. And I try to find people who I think have like lapsed. You know, like they came in, they explored, uh, and then they left. And that's how I emailed you. I said, hey, this is Toma from After Pattern. Uh, thank you so much for checking us out. I'm sorry to see you leave uh, uh, unsatisfied. You know, if you're interested, I'd love to hear why. And you emailed me back. You said, like, I'm not a lapsed user. I just don't have enough time to keep building. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what was it that you were making back then? Uh, so at the time, I made an app so that clients could go on my website and screen themselves for DACA relief. Um, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people were getting calls, oh, can I get DACA? What about DACA? So that was, you know, I got the idea in December and it took some time, but I put together a lead magnet that has free information in it about DACA eligibility, what kind of documents you need. I put a checklist in there and then at the back of it is like a small quiz so that they could put their personal circumstances and see how it impacts their eligibility. 
And then I attach the link that leads to the app and they can just put their answers in. And if they don't meet like one of the absolutely necessary criteria right away, it'll tell them. So it won't waste their time. Like they'll know instantly. How did you, how did you get the idea for that? One of the biggest challenges we have is a lot, a lot of law firms come to us and they're like vaguely aware of technology and, and how to make consumer facing tech but they're not they don't have like a specific vision and oftentimes that's where people get tripped up is, is you know we are most helpful to you when you have a specific vision uh, but it sounds like you came in the door knowing what you wanted to make what was that part of your legal education uh, was that something you'd seen someone else do like how was that on your radar no you know I, I don't I didn't see a lot of innovation like that and you know, I, I think it's starting to pick up a lot more now. But I, I honestly don't remember how that idea specifically came to me. I just remember I sat down and I made a list of different types of immigration relief where clients could figure it out without paying for an hour-long consultation or a way to build trust with clients that don't feel ready to pay for a consultation. Because I, I guess part of it was that I see so many people asking questions of, can I get this? How do I get this? And so being able to let them anonymously put in their own circumstances without retaining any data, it gives them a safe space to be able to honestly answer the questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I like I like the way you're framing it as like there's there's the double impact of this this thing you're making, which, you know, we, the the industry doesn't even have like the the like a an agreement on what vocabulary to use, but we've been calling them legal apps. Other people call them guided interviews or expert systems, uh, essentially like really robust online forms. Um, but what you're talking about the impact, like the most obvious one being, oh, there's information someone needs and so they, they get it. Uh, but the second less obvious impact is this like trust building, relationship building. I think that's really, I think that's really interesting because I it would, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to think about my own experience dealing with law firms I would call a lawyer for a phone call only in the most dire circumstances, but that doesn't mean I don't have questions of my own about like the ramifications of, of certain things in my life, and I'd, I'd be interested to explore those, but I don't want to escalate it right away to like getting on the phone with an attorney. Absolutely. I'm the same way. I mean, I'm an attorney myself, but for a long time, I, I mean, even now, if I had to pull out a whole bunch of money for an attorney, I wouldn't be able to do it. What? So the, the, this this app you made back in February, you kicked it off. You launched it. I email you because I think you you know you've dropped off the platform, but this app is still actually working in the background. Um, one of the questions I, I get asked, uh, you know, I, I ask the community like, what what things should we talk about in this in this episode? And uh, they ask how people how people like you measure the value of something like this, like how. You know, how are, how are you making the judgment call of whether this was worth the time and effort to build? You know, I haven't really been strictly keeping on the metrics. What I did was with that lead magnet, it's on ConvertKit. So I'm able to see people signing up and downloading it, but I can't necessarily see, you know, how many of them are going through with the app or whatever. But I guess to me, it's just, I'm going to keep putting something out until until I see a reason not to, because ultimately somebody is going to get use out of it. And even if it's just for me getting practice, because I'm learning, and you know, after that, it started sparking different ideas of what I can do to automate this business. And I mean, even still, 
it led me to thinking of offering a whole different type of alternative immigration service. Real quick, what is Converter Kit for anyone who doesn't know what that is? It's it's like a, almost like um, Mailchimp. It's yeah. one of those email uh, customer relation management systems. So they'll sign. They'll it's on my website. It'll pop up. Do you need an attorney or something like that? They'll fill in their information. You know, I promise not to spam them because I don't like it myself. And if they're interested in the DACA um, magnet specifically they can get information about it and it'll go right to their email after they put their information in. So, you know, I can see those metrics. Nice. And for a while, that was doing really good. And something has to be working because in the last 28 days, my Facebook page has had over 69,000 views. That's crazy. <laughs> and I have no idea how. Does Facebook not provide some kind of like analysis of where these people are coming from or? It's showing, it shows certain demographics, but like I, did, I, I didn't do anything particularly different 28 days ago that would spark this. And then, so, and then my, like, my likes went up, so I think yesterday it said 3,500, and like, I have no idea how. <laughs> so something's working. Early, you know, before I asked you about ConvertKit, you were talking about like why you started making this. It reminded me of a different conversation I had with... Uh, uh, I don't know if you know this group, they're called Exponential Legal. They, they talk about this, like lawyers making tech and they were reflecting on like, who does this? Like, why would a lawyer do this? This is not, I mean, for most of us, this was like not part of the legal education. It was certainly not part of any jobs most of us had in traditional law. So like, wh like what is, what's happening? And when I hear you talk about it, it sounds a lot like, uh, you know, you know we're, we're in the tech space, so I, I know a lot of software engineers. And the way they talk about just like hacking on projects on weekend or at night, like it doesn't have a specific goal necessarily. You know, it's not the kind of thing that they're measuring afterwards. Like, was that good use of my time or was it not? But it's satisfying. And then what ends up happening sometimes is that becomes the basis of this like fundamental new thing in the world. And, and it becomes their, their full-time job. But it didn't start out that way. And it sounds like you have that same kind of attitude. Were you always like a tinkerer or a hacker? No, this was this is like a whole new world to me. And it was after I started doing the contracting and consulting that I was trying to figure out ways to make a law firm easier to run because a huge thing that has always been there for me is work-life balance because I became a mom during law school. So if, the if my time has to be away from my kids, it has to be worth it. And there's got to be a way to figure out how to have it all. So then I started trying to think about ways to make that happen, which led me into reading about co-working stations instead of owning an office. And it was from there that I kind of went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually, that, that, that's a good segue into your, uh, your most recent uh, uh, legal app. Um, you took a 13-page relief intake and you turn it into an app that sends you a one page to review for potential relief, benefits, problems, waiver eligibility. Is that one of those tools that allows you to claw back some, some time from your day? Absolutely. And it, you know, it also is great because then when I do outsource stuff to an assistant, they're not wasting their time on filling out this PDF because that was the original plan. We're going to start offering three uh, 15 minute case evaluations and trying to figure out how to do that effectively in 15 minutes was hard especially when I have this intake form that's screaming for everything because something that immigration attorneys need to do is 
ask the questions and screen for all different types of relief because even one detail can change what they're eligible for. Like most people don't know they're eligible for a crime victims leave, but they don't even know that exists. They don't know about trafficking or what trafficking is. So I had this form that's going to ask these questions, but trying to figure out how to make the time for that. So first I took the form and from the PDF, I made it into a fillable one. And then, so I'm trying to think, okay, so they'll call and within the 15 minutes, they'll fill it out, but that's a lot of information in 15 minutes. So that might not work out. And then what are they really getting from it besides somebody typing it in for them? Mm -hmm. So what if we send it to them beforehand and then they can fill it out, but no, that's probably not going to work because they're not going to do it. They'll forget and they won't send it back. And they're going to look at this 13 page document and be like, yeah, okay, no thanks. Mm -hmm. And that's that. So I wanted to figure out a way to make it look so much less overwhelming and how to skip around questions that really aren't relevant. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the clients of yours who've gone in through this new process? So I, I actually haven't rolled it out live yet. That's going next week on oh, Monday. Nice. But the immigration attorneys that have seen it keep asking me if I'm selling it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> is that surprising to hear? It is. Because it was just like a project where I was like, oh, you know, this, this would be a good idea and it'll help make things easier. And I guess I didn't realize how much of a need it is for a lot of people. For a lot of immigration law firms? I think any law firm, honestly, because when you're doing an intake, I think it's important to cover all your bases. And there's a much easier way to do it than filling it out on paper or wasting X amount of time with your staff member putting in this information for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I was just I was just thinking when you were like listing off those things you need to be checking for and like that, that can't be skipped because if someone you know, f raises one of those issues that has like a dozen knock on effects, right? That, that need to be accounted for. So mm -hmm. it's like a lot can go wrong just because like one piece of information is missed over. Um, do you know Greg Siskind, the immigration? I do. Greg and I, we talked at the tech show in the beginning of March and that's kind of what like really set me down the path of committing to this. Really? Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's the man. Uh, but I, I was talking to him a while back and he was saying how before they put their intake into apps which we'll talk about in a bit like what's the line between like intake and triage but before they did that there were opportunities for like bias to come out where you'd be interviewing someone the old-fashioned way like you know on the phone or face to face and you might not ask them a question just because of assumptions you're making about who they are like a doctor comes yeah. in trying to immigrate to the u.s maybe you don't ask them about their criminal history because you're like oh surely you know, this this is a, this is a doctor. Maybe they don't have a criminal history, and now you've just missed this one piece of information that has some serious knock-on effects. And you know, an, an app has no qualms about asking a doctor if they have a criminal history. Yeah, implicit bias is a real thing. And then at the same time, if you phrase it a certain way, like one thing I hate having to ask people is if they've engaged in prostitution. It's yeah. such an uncomfortable question. Yeah. And so putting it in a form where it's a little less personalized and they don't have to face somebody while answering it, I think it's really helpful for a potential client too who might be embarrassed by their circumstances. I've, I, you know, I've, I, you, you, let, you very kindly let me like duplicate your apps. I've been poking around it a little bit and looking at it. There's a bunch of uh, spots throughout it where you're providing some like clarification. Yep. You know, and, I, and I wonder if this is like the sign of like, 
like a trend of where this app is going, where, for example, you might have to qualify what you mean when you say engage in prostitution. Like maybe that, yep. maybe that's not the most obvious question uh, uh, and deserves like some follow up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yesterday I actually decided to start linking some of the questions to content I have on my Instagram account that explains things in plainer language. Like back in March and February, I posted some stuff about trafficking visas and, you know, trafficking sounds like, oh, you know, the movie Taken where you're abducted. Mm-hmm. But they don't think of it as, oh, my boss is forcing me to work and not paying me. Or, you know, I have to cook and clean for these people and I owe them money. So, you know, that's just the way it is. But that's not true. So by putting it in plain language, it makes it easier for them to think about what their circumstances were. And like, oh, maybe that did happen. Or, you know, even with VAWA cases, you know, a lot of cultures, it's normal to beat your wife. So to them, that's not abuse. But of course, here, that's an, it's an atrocity. So when you frame it in a different light and explain it to them, you know, and the severity of it, I think it's helpful because then you're getting true answers. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's also your own bias when you're telling your story. You're going to try to tell your story the way that you see it, not necessarily the way it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, you, you dropped out there for a second, but you're, you, when, you, when you said it's, uh, it, you know, some people might perceive it to be normal to do blank. What was that? It was VAWA cases. So in yeah. some countries, it's completely normal to beat your wife. But to, but to us, like that is, that's abomination. So when you're asking them, oh, does your spouse abuse you? They're like, no, no. But if you start asking them like, okay, have you ever gotten to an argument? During that argument, did he ever put his hands on you? Did he ever throw anything at you? Does he take your paycheck? Stuff like that is what really breaks it down and allows us to get to know the person beneath the surface. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, some pushback I get from people when we talk about self-help apps, triage apps, especially when they're dealing with sensitive topics like this. Some of the pushback I get is, oh, but that's that's impersonal. Like, like. Previously, you could do this with a human, and the human interface is, is more empathetic, it, it's more accommodating, uh, it's more likely to elicit true responses. Is that something you've, you've heard from immigration lawyers when you tell them, like, I'm going to take this triage and I'm going I'm uh, to put it in an app? Not yet. I'm sure I will. But I had the ability to be in a Facebook group with other immigrants who filed their own self petitions. And I just went ahead and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna ask them what they're looking for in an attorney in a law firm, because this is the source to go to. So I posted something and I said, you know, you know, if this isn't a law, please delete it. But I would really like to get some feedback from you guys on when, why you didn't hire an attorney to do your process for you. Was there somebody that you met with and it turned you off? Or is there something you're looking for and you're not seeing? And so I'm trying to target those areas that don't have the support that they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. You know, after Pattern initially was called Community Lawyer, we came out of this incubator called Blue Ridge Labs. And the whole theme of the incubator for a year uh, not not for a year, for like six months, five months. The whole theme was access to justice. Anyway, they had us do a ton of research, and what the cohort found very quickly was that the perception of most people is that lawyers are not for them. Lawyers are for wealthy individuals, and they're for companies, uh, but but they're certainly not for me. You know, like I'm not mm-hmm. gonna I'm not gonna pick up the phone, and I certainly have 
things in my life that aren't going the way I want them to, or I have plans that I know I'm going to be in, interacting with the bureaucratic organization, but lawyers aren't for me. Like that's not what the law is. So that's, that's very real. The perception of, yeah, what people think a lawyer is for. Totally. I mean, what, <laughs> I'm going to get really candid for a minute, but after I graduated law school, you know, I couldn't get hired. I had a very pregnant belly that let's be honest, people see that and they don't want to hire you because you're going to be going out on maternity leave. And I, I dealt with a lot of that. And I, we were broke. I mean, there was no income coming in because I had just gotten out of school. I wasn't able to work during that time. You know, one income just wasn't doing it. And we were going to lose our house. Like we were like nine days away from foreclosure proceedings being initiated. And I had no way of getting to an attorney to figure out what our rights were. I mean, we ended up turning it around because I started doing contracting work. And that was out of pure desperation to be able to bring in money. But it's true. When people need lawyers the most, they don't have the ability to get to one. But, but they, go, they go online. You know, it was, it was interesting to say, like you said you were posing this question to this group on Facebook. Uh, that's, that's surprising to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that I'm surprised by it. Like the, the amount of time I spend online, I don't know why it would surprise me that, of course, people take their legal questions and they put them on a Facebook group or Twitter or, or wherever. Um, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's... There's companies dedicated to this. Com- Companies that are not lawyers that are dedicated to this. That are dedicated to connecting people with attorneys or? No, that are dedicated to helping people do it themselves and answer their questions. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this, goes, this is another one of my favorite topics is uh, how, how do you measure the size of the opportunity when you think about yourself as a service provider for immigration services? the opportunity being the number of people who could who could use your services like w- w- like again you know i'm reflecting back on my own experience i, I graduated law school like a lot it seems like a long time ago now like 2012 but i never had that kind of conversation um and i had to seek it out since is that is that a conversation you have internally with your staff or, or is that a conversation you have had or how do you think about that it kind of comes from my own experience because i started in the nonprofit world so I was seeing gaps there where people would come in, but they, they made too much money to be able to get assistance. Or we would purposely turn away fiance and K-1 visas because it's a lot of work and we saw a lot of fraud. So there's this gap of people that are not being served. And thinking about where I'm located, how few immigration attorneys there are here. And the ones that are here, I mean, one, He's like a mentor to me. He's completely overwhelmed and he's trying to send cases to me because he just can't take anymore. The other two were absorbed by a huge law firm. So now they're big law. And that's not something people are going to go approach because it's in a big high rise building down in the Capitol. It's, you know, it's, it's intimidating and you automatically assume you can't afford it. So I never really thought about it in terms of whether there was enough people that needed me. It was whether there was enough of me to go around. Hmm. And so, because I don't want to be overworked, it goes back to that work-life balancing. So I want to be able to help as many people as I can with as little effort as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you, when you were in that situation, you know, and 
you know, thank you, thank you for sharing that. When you were in that situation, that precarious situation, right after school, uh, mm-hmm. one income. You know, you you were an you were you an attorney at that point? No, not yet. I literally just graduated, so it was that summer. But so, you, but you were yeah. So you you had a JD. Uh, you were you were on track to becoming an attorney, and to think about you not being able to find legal help like mm-hmm. what 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 hope is there for someone who doesn't have a jd like you, you think if anyone could find it it would be you in that situation right like just coming out of law school um that's that's a, that's a frightening idea yeah and, and i was very fortunate because i came from a nonprofit where they did handle foreclosure so i reached out to a former colleague but again it's not like they could have formally helped me because I mean, you know, our, our, even though our income wasn't cutting it, we were still making too much. And then going and seeking out a private attorney just wasn't an option at the time. So, yeah, I mean, there really is a huge gap in access to justice. And I see it in different ways. So one reason I decided to do a virtual firm is because I live in upstate New York. And what is north of me is like pure country. And there are no immigration attorneys between the Canadian border and where I am. If there are, I haven't heard of them. So it brings the question that who was serving those people? And so I figured by being online and because immigration law is federal, that will allow me to serve anyone anywhere when needed. How, how, do, you, how do you connect with most people? On, I mean, online obviously your 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 virtual first firm but like you know what what does that mean exactly connecting with people online so i mean i have a facebook page i have a twitter that you know i don't get much off of twitter it's kind of more for me um yeah i have an instagram and i'm trying to learn the whole google ad thing and facebook ads i don't know i stopped the google ones because i wasn't getting any quality leads whatsoever but I get a lot of people calling from Central America. So they're finding me somehow. Hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not busy right now. I'm not even going to act like we're a busy firm and that I've got a ton of clients because we're not. And that's okay with me so I can build up these systems since we're really new. Yeah. But it's a matter of just starting to get some momentum. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Twitter is kind of like... The place you go to hang out but facebook is becoming increasingly the place i think attorneys connect directly with potential clients yes yeah yeah i gotta get get messages in the middle of the night from central americans asking me how they can get a visa and so i we have an automated response that says you know it's not our normal business hours but somebody will get back to you and i actually have somebody in italy right now who's working with me so she's going to be able to answer the middle of the night stuff and she speaks four languages so she can handle the bio, you know the multilingual stuff which is awesome and then you know when clients have questions we can get back to them immediately because what's been happening is they'll reach out to us they'll get that message they don't want to call and when they call they find out about the consultation they don't really want to do that because they don't even know if it's worth it so it's made me think about how i can switch gears and try to find something that serves them too when when you look at the uh immigration law landscape like other people other other law firms 
is there any, is there anyone you look up to like who's doing it who's doing it best right now taking advantage of all the tools they have available to them taking advantage of all the uh, 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 consumer behaviors that are changing with these these tools we're gonna be here for a long time if I name all those people <laughs> I just I'll, I'll just put it out there though that there is a group on Facebook called uh, technology for immigration lawyers every single person I've encountered in that group is brilliant and they are very forward-thinking have, have you found have you found the immigration law community <laughs> to be uh, receptive and sharing or like you know I, I, most I, of them. Yeah. There's, there's none most of like of the... Them. I mean, yeah. I think that some started off that way and then it, the wealth kind of went to their heads. And so they've alienated themselves from the community. But most of them, yeah. I mean, it's a very collaborative environment, which is also something that I'm very passionate about, which when I started doing the contract work, I kept emphasizing that it's collaboration we're working together and it's something i also emphasize with my staff is you are not working for me we are working together so it's a lot of resource sharing and people have been very willing to point me in different directions and very kind about it nice in that in that spirit you know if if, if there's any law students listening or any attorneys that are like at the beginning part of their career and they're interested in getting into a you know starting their own small practice serving serving consumers directly um and maybe taking advantage of you know what we were just talking about like the changing tech landscape the changing consumer behavior landscape is there any advice you'd give to them or like pitfalls that you tell them to avoid hmm let me see pitfalls i one thing i would say is stop chasing shiny objects hmm. i have adhd so it's something i am notorious for trying to find an app that has every single thing that checks off the box and then keep looking until I find it. I mean, before I know it, I've spent three days looking for something without something to show for it. So listening to what others have to say in terms of feedback, but also being okay with it if it doesn't work for you. Like I'm not somebody who uses Clio. That is like the top notch product of all the entire legal industry. Everybody uses it and that's like, it integrates with everything, but it's not something I use. So I always felt like I was doing something wrong. You don't have to use what everybody else is using. Just pay attention to the feedback and don't reinvent the wheel if you don't have to. It's okay to deviate from it and do things differently because that's how, that's how we're changing the law. But don't waste your time chasing something if it's not gonna pan out. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good. I suffer. It goes with social media too, you know, because then you were constantly hearing, okay, you have to be on Facebook, you have to be on Instagram, you have to be on TikTok. Like, I don't have a TikTok. I have no idea how to use TikTok, and I feel like I would look like a fool on there. I just, I don't think that's for me, but it works for other people, and it's okay that it's working for them and not for me. There's something else that's working for me, and I think that it's really important that everybody knows that there is a place for them in this community. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes back to what you're saying earlier about the demand being so great that within that demand, you could even segment it. Like, you know, there's no one way to serve that huge segment of people who need immigration legal services. There's many different ways to serve them. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure if you were to devote yourself to TikTok, you'd probably alienate a huge group of your potential <laughs> clients. Yeah. Um, I, I, I might try to figure it out. It's just like it's so intimidating to me making videos and whatnot. So intimidating to me. 
Yeah, I, I don't know much about TikTok. I know the Wellerman, like, uh, Sea Shanty remix. I don't know if you saw that. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, give that give that a look. <laughs> I also suffer I'm some... so in the dark. <laughs> it's just a Sea Shanties, um, but it's, it's surprisingly entertaining. Um, yeah, I, I, I asked just for, like, a half hour of your time, so we're just about at the top of the hour here. Uh, but is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to get to if, if you're willing to just, like, you know, give a couple more minutes? Oh, yeah, of course. I definitely still got time. Um, I mean, I think it's really important to emphasize that we don't have to do things the way that the legal profession has always been done. Despite what I just said about not reinventing the wheel, it doesn't mean that we don't go with the flow. A lot of attorneys are very resistant to change in tech, and they're making themselves obsolete. I mean, these services that are offering people to do it themselves, they're not going to go away. They're only going to grow. And unless we work with it, we're working against it and we're working against ourselves. Like there's attorneys that would probably be appalled at some of the way that I do things because it's not, you know, the, the traditional standard way, but it works for me. And so I'm trying to follow the trends of this area of law because it's, I mean, COVID really accelerated it it's forever changed. And I don't necessarily want to go back to the way that it was. Like, I don't need an office. If I need to meet with a client, absolutely need to meet with them in person, I can find a co-working space to go to, and that's that. I work from home, and I just don't need to be making that part of my overhead. So that allows me to have lower fees, and it allows me to be more flexible with my time. And, you know, it, there's just so much benefit to it that it's okay to go against the grain. I'm sure new attorneys are going to figure it out real fast, but there's going to be other lawyers that scoff at them for what they're doing and saying, like, like what you said before, that the apps are impersonal. And, you know, it's, but attorneys aren't really paying attention to what the clients want. They're paying attention to what they want and how they want it. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be one of, if not the defining measurement for like whether these changes are you know what's their like are they good or are they bad you know well, what's the impact on the client <laughs> and and if, if you know historically you know we were talking about this earlier most people do not engage with an attorney most people feel like attorneys are not for them most people have a terrible experience with attorney so starting from that i mean i know there's a lot of good experiences in law but anything that improves the client experience has to be seen in a positive light i think mm -hmm. proof is in the yeah, pudding I, I completely yeah. agree so i think that's about everything i wanted to get to i want to thank you again for giving me the opportunity to get on this 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 platform i hope it's the start of something i like having conversations i get to talk to mm -hmm. a lot of yeah I, I get to talk to a lot of lawyers who've had interesting careers like if, if you're on our platform if you're, if you're making legal apps you you, you, you know, this hasn't yet become mainstream by a long shot. So if you're here and you're building these things, you're kind of you're kind of weird in your own right. And that and, and I mean, that the, <laughs> yes. I mean, that in the best way, like it's, it's the it's the highest compliment I can pay. Uh, and but one of, one of the side effects of these these people is that they 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 have interesting things to say and they have interesting backgrounds uh, and interesting points of view about where this industry is going. And that produces good conversations. So thank you for getting me on here and for, for having the first conversation with After Pattern. For sure. I mean, I, I, like I said to you the other day, you're building something really incredible and really robust. And getting the word out there, 
I mean, you know, I have people saying, oh, you know, are you going to sell that? I mean, I totally could. That's not what was on my mind, but it's something that you could do yourself. You just have to, you know, sit down and make the time for it. And it took me a while, but it still happened. And because of it, my life is going to be so much easier. And I, there, it's inspired me to do a lot more. So, I mean, your platform, it might not be mainstream yet, but it was talked about a lot at the tech show. So it's going to catch on. Nice. Well, let's reconnect when, when this thing has been out and live for a while. And I'd love to get your feedback on what it is you're you're learning you're becoming a product designer i don't know if that's what you intended to do it sounds like you're wearing a lot of hats <laughs> i guess i am yeah just one more hat i'm sure it was like a, a head full of hats um. <laughs> thank you so much for talking with me kim i really appreciate that's it i enjoyed great. it yeah and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna publish this and uh and we'll, we'll be in touch online great sounds great thanks thomas all right take care kim you too bye bye